It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Panache and Ravaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Call 702-560-5520. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. And by Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. Uh, with KT on a throwback Thursday, PSR Lost Studios in Las Vegas, Panache and Ravaputi right here in Las Vegas, year number five here in Vegas Valley, and of course, many, many years over there in Southern California. I think it's about 25 years there, but the best in personal injury in SoCal for a long time. Again, year number five here in the Vegas Valley, over $5 billion for their clients in verdicts and settlements the last five years. Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice is PSR Law. You may not need him now, but you may need him in the future. So jot that number down. Got that 702 down for Vegas, 560-5520. It's a new number that I'm giving to you. Uh, They've got a new office number here in the Vegas Valley, 560-5520-560-5520. Two zero, great show for you on a throwback Thursday, and a lot of stuff coming across the wire. I mean, within minutes of going on air, and uh, Mark Hoke, a happy camper, as I just relayed some news, and he's kind of soaking it all in. It has to do with his Orioles. We'll get with that in just a little bit. But remember, PSR Law Studios Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Wednesday, of course, last night live at Steiner's Pub, seventeen fifty North Buffalo. Now I'll be back at Steiner's next Wednesday, but next Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, we are over there, Radio Row, with the big Super Bowl here in town in Vegas. Looking forward to a great game. I mean, an epic matchup, no doubt. 49ers, which means uh, good things that we're going to get some former Niner guys on there. In fact, right at uh, 625, we're going to go with Dwight Hicks. Remember Dwight Hicks and the Hot Licks, man, one of the best former captain of that Niner secondary. And what a secondary it was. A lot of folks think maybe the best of all times. And of course, he played his college ball at Michigan. So a uh, pretty good year so far for Hicks, trying to make it two for two, win the college enchilada and take care of business in the NFL as well. We'll talk to Dwight in a little bit. And then hour number two, our good pal Hondo Carpenter, of course, Sports Illustrated uh, award-winning writer for a long time and does a Reader's Insider podcast. Does another one with his 18-month-old son, Dexter, and Hondo will join us at about 7.07. So we'll keep things rolling right here, 101.5 FMK Dawn. And, of course, we stream live on the Worldwide Odyssey app, which is a free app. Download it. Google Play, iTunes, just go there. And, again, worldwide, you miss any part of the show, they got a great rewind feature. So you can just go back, search the show, SportsX Radio, Ken Thompson, boom, it'll come right up, and you can listen back to the show in its entirety. Same thing with my producer, Mark Hoke. The Mark Hoke Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., the best in professional wrestling, and a lot going on in the world of professional wrestling, to say the least. And Mark will have another great show with Jose Vellante joining him this Sunday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Again, you miss any part of that show, use the rewind feature. Also follow at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio on X and, of course, formerly known as Twitter. And then I'll have the archives also pinned at both those handles. And we got a great throwback Thursday, like I told you. So let's get it rolling. Now, the starting five, number one. Yeah, I always like to go to the NFL, and there's been some hirings, and I'll get to that. But this one's rather sad. I mean, this guy was an iconic college manager coach for a long, long time. Talking about Mike Martin, Florida State. 
anybody associated with college baseball knows all about the winningest all-time manager as far as college baseball, Mike Martin. Louis Buddy Dementia kind of took uh, his body out of whack over the last three years. He passed away earlier today at 79 years of age. 2,029 victories, 736 losses, four ties, I guess, you know, things that were maybe canceled, so you have some ties every now and then in baseball. They just don't finish the games. Uh, retired back in 2019, but 40 seasons as the head honcho for those Seminoles. Won 19 conference titles. How impressive is that? Advanced to the College World Series 17 times. Mike Martin, an icon. Set the standard high. Set that bar high. He will be missed by so many, but especially those that call FSU home. I got a good buddy, Jim Hunziker, graduated Florida State, and he texted with me. And, uh, yeah, we think the greatest college manager of all times in college baseball, Mike Martin, dead at the age of 79. Number two. All right, now we'll uh, flip over to the NFL and Dan Quinn. A lot of folks thought maybe he's going to be the uh, new head honcho for the Chargers, and that's before Harbaugh stepped down at Michigan. And then Dallas, of course, getting blown out in the playoff game. So a lot of things like, you know, with Green Bay putting all those points up, with Dan Quinn, we can't have that guy be our head coach. But Washington Commanders and their new ownership said, you know what, we're going to take a shot at the defensive coordinator from Dallas. Plus, he's got all those little secrets on Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Let's bring him over here to Washington to be the commander's new head honcho. And from what I'm hearing, there's a good chance that Chip Kelly could be leaving UCLA and could be the new offensive coordinator for Washington and of course at Steiner's Pub 1750 North Buffalo that is a Washington Commanders hangout they've been doing it for a long time Mike Lawton the uh, GM over there does an outstanding job and has a big group there in fact Joe Theismann came out there with me they've had uh, Mark Rippin a lot of former Washington football players but uh, Dan Quinn the new head honcho there for Washington getting a deal done earlier today number three All right, so we'll uh, stay in the NFL, and we'll just update a couple other moves. Now, these are not head coaching moves, although this one is. It looks like uh, Dave Canales is that new head coach over there, and uh, he is taking over in Carolina. Of course, he was an offensive assistant for 13 years in Seattle and Tampa Bay. Did a great job with quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield, and now he's going to get to toy with Bryce Young. Got his work cut out for him. Got to really solidify that offensive line, get him some skill position players as well. But it looks like Dave Canales, the new head honcho to replace Frank Reich. Then you have some coordinator moves. Alex Van Pelt, who was fired by Cleveland, he's the new offensive coordinator for Gerard Mayo and New England. Kellen Moore, Dallas and Chargers the last couple of years, takes over for the Hoaxers, Philadelphia Eagles. Should have a pretty good relationship there with Jalen Hurts. I expect that offense to really take care of business with Moore and Hurts putting their uh, brains together there. And then defensive coordinator for the first time in 28 years, the Baltimore Ravens have hired a former player to be a coordinator. It is Zachary Orr, former linebacker. He is the new defensive coordinator for those Baltimore Ravens. Number four. Let's go to the association. Some moves there. How about Memphis? They trade away Steven Adams to Houston for Victor Oladipo and three second-round picks. So the big fella on his way to H-Town. Three second-round picks. That's pretty steep there. And Oladipo, a guy that when he stays healthy, 
still has some hops and can still get it done. The Knicks, meanwhile, they put uh, Julius Randle. He's on that IR. He will miss two to three weeks there for the Knickerbockers, who are playing their best basketball in a long time and sitting number four in the Eastern Conference, slightly ahead of the Hoekstra Sixers. And by the way, they got some bad news. Joel Embiid, he will be out at least through the weekend while they check out the left knee. It's a lateral meniscus injury. They don't know how serious or how long or what's going to be the situation there as far as rehabbing it. Say So uh, they're saying they're going to have an update by Monday. So we will keep an eye on that. Number five. And we'll just jump right here locally in town because you know what? Lindy LaRock and the Lady Rebels just keep on winning. They just keep on winning inside the Mountain West. I want to say 32 out of the last 33 now. The Lady Rebs got it done last night at Cox Pavilion, 58-51 against Wyoming. Cowgirls coming in. They were tied with the uh, Lady Rebels for first place, but no more. 58-51. Lady Rebs get it done. Desi Ray Young, 15.6 boards, zero turnovers. Off the bench, um, uh, Amarchi. Uh, Kimpton also had 12 points, two steals, zero turnovers. You love that when they have that little stat line with zero TOs, baby. That is big time. Lady Rebs are uh, right now getting set to play New Mexico. Now, that will be down in the pit in Albuquerque. That is their only loss in their last 33 Mountain West Conference games. They lost that game 69-66 at the Cox Pavilion earlier in January. So they will try and avenge that loss they are uh, now a game ahead of New Mexico's Lady Lobos and, of course, Wyoming, the Cowgirls, beating them last night. So we will see if they can take care of business. But looking forward to Lindy LaRock and the Lady Rebs get a little revenge down in Albuquerque. And that is a look at the starting five. Again, uh, Dwight Hicks coming up in just a little bit. But let me update some other things. You know, VGK. Vegas Golden Knights, they don't have anybody there for the NHL All-Star Weekend. Jack Eichel, the only one to make it, but of course he's hurt. He's on the shelf, 19 goals, 25 assists, but he is out. That kind of sucks, and nobody representing VGK, the defending Stanley Cup champions in Toronto. Are you kidding me? Meanwhile, some other injuries, I mean, Connor Bedard, the uh, high-flying rookie there for the Chicago Blackhawks, he is out as well. You have six Vancouver Canucks, and that, of course, the team in the Pacific that is ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights by seven points as we go into break. Team McDavid, Connor McDavid, of course, uh, he's got his partner, Leon Dreisaitl, his partner in crime there. Remember, Edmonton on a 16-game winning streak as we go into the break. And where do they start? Right there at the Fortress. I think it's next Tuesday against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll see if uh, VGK can take care of business as far as that goes. So update a little hockey there. And then we've got plenty of games going on the college hardwood. A few games on the NBA scoreboard. Let's get to that before we go to break. Let's update some things here as far as the association, because not a big schedule as far as the NBA. Just four games. One game yet to tip off. That's Sixers-Hoaksters, or Hoaksters-Sixers, yeah, whatever way you want to put it there. Uh, the Jazz at home in Utah taking on those Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid, and that's why Utah is favored minus five at home. Total still 241. I guess they uh, don't have to wait for the big guy to get up and down the court, so probably run a little bit more, see how that pans out. Right now, Indiana, so far wire-to-wire against those Knicks, and this Pacers team, a lot of fun to watch. They were two-point dogs at Madison Square Garden with a minute to go in the third quarter at MSG. They lead it 82-74 over New York. Again, the Knicks closing a two-point favorite, 235. High total. Not going to get there unless you get an extra session. Lakers lead by 10 in Beantown against the Boston Celtics. No LeBron, no Anthony Davis. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Maybe this is the lineup you go with. We'll see how it pans out. Still plenty of time to go. 225 left in the third quarter, a whole fourth quarter in Boston. The Celtics closing is a 15.5-point Home favorite, 238, your total there. 
At the intermission, you've got the Grizzlies, again, fresh off that trade with Steven Adams going to Houston. They are at home, 58-51. They lead the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, who are playing outstanding ball. Both them and the Knicks come in on big winning streaks. So it uh, looks like they may both come to an end, but we'll keep an eye on that one. Memphis leads at FedEx Forum, 58 51. Meanwhile, we do have the East-West Shrine game going. That, of course, the college seniors in the West leading 17-3. to Still first half action. A minute 55 to go in the first half. And how about the total was 31? I'm sorry, 37. Total was 37. You already have 20, so you only need, tw- uh, what do you need, another 18 points to put it over. 17 will get you a push right there at the Westgate Superbook. By the way, Arthur DeCesar, Jay Cornergay, John Murray and company, they just sent me the packet. It's out, baby. Get over there to Westgate Superbook. All those props. The Book of War and Peace. The original Book of War and Peace as far as props. Others get them out, but I'm telling you, there's not a better staff in the world that puts out the props like the Westgate Superbook. So uh, get on down there and uh, get those. I think they'll be in paper form tomorrow. You can uh, grab the digital version now. Version now. And if you have the, uh, the app, I think you're going to have them right there. Now, I have them uh, myself, so I'll try and get to some of those before I get out of the show tonight. But again, uh, we're going to talk with Dwight Hickson just a little bit. Let me go to the college scoreboard. Wisconsin Green Bay, remember Andy Isco talking about an early 9 a.m. start West Coast time. <laughs> Fighting Phoenix still atop the horizon. Then they blasted IUPUI, laying 12.5, no problem, win it by 23 in a game that pushes the total of 135, 75, 79 to 56, the final. Andy Isco, what did he give out last night? He said Monmouth, plus four at home to avenge a loss, a close game that they led at Drexel. Drexel came in a four-point road favorite. Monmouth beat him wire to wire, 67-62, the final. Great call by the original AI. App State beat Georgia State 81-71. They cover. Game goes over the total. Campbell upsets Elon. They were two-and-a-half-point dogs. They win it by 269-67. Game stays under. 80-74. to Nice effort by NC Wilmington. They win as four-and-a-half-point dogs at College of Charleston, and that game stays a half-point under the total of 154-and-a-half. Hits 154, 80-74 the final. Old Dominion beat Marshall 83-76. They were nine-point dogs. Win it by seven. Game gets up and over the total. Delaware, no problem. Buried William and Mary, uh, laying four and a half. They win at 81 to 53 in a game that also stays under the total. Louisiana Tech make it eight in a row, I think, for uh, La Tech against the number. I'll have to look at that. It might, it might be six. Uh, La Tech, though, no problem. Florida International, 93 to 53. Are you kidding me? Win it by 40 big ones, laying seven. Total in that game was 143, so it does get over. Hits 146. Northeastern, they led for a long time at Towson, but Towson comes back and wins it. But they were laying seven and a half. At the Westgate Superbook. Now, there were some sevens around town. There were some eights as well. So it depends when and where you played it. It opened at seven. They win it by seven. Towson's Tigers do 83-76 over Northeastern. Easy over in that one. SMU 80-76. They knock off Tulane. Do not cover. And the game stays three and a half points under the total. Oakland, no problem. Beat Robert Morris at home in Michigan. 87-72. Game also flying over the total. They cover the nine. No problem there. Troy 84-63. All over Georgia Southern on the road. Get the win. Game stays under. They cover the five. No problem. Hofster comes back. Beats Stony Brook. 72-71. Do not cover the seven and a half. But the game does get over the total by a point and a half. And Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Much to my chagrin. Beat IPFW. Beat the Mastodons on their home court. IPFW came all the way back from 12 down and had the lead but couldn't hold it. And look out. That Wisconsin-Milwaukee team. The Panthers playing good ball. 68-65. They win. And a low-scoring game stays well under the total. James Madison. 105-67. Beat Coastal Carolina by 38 
big ones. Lane 19, no problem. They doubled that, and the game flies over the total. Cleveland State by 12 over Detroit. Winless Detroit's Titans. They just can't win a game. Seven and a half, the Vikings laid. They win it by 12. NCA&T beat Hampton by one. Lane three and a half, do not cover. Game stays under, and uh, there's some partial scores going. Get you updated on those in just a little bit, but I will give you this one. Wisconsin taking care of business big time in Nebraska, in Lincoln. Surprising me there because Freddie Hoiberg, usually dangerous there at home. But Wisconsin, this is a good Badger team, 43-27. to They are up 16 big ones in a pick game in Lincoln. So we'll keep an eye there. Arizona also up 20 in Tucson at the half over Cal's Golden Bears, 48-28. to Some of the scores that are jumping out. Wright State up three on Youngstown State, 11.50 to go first half. I did play Wright State's Red Raiders as they're trying to avenge a 10-point loss against the Penguins from earlier in the season. So we'll keep an eye on a lot of these games that are rolling on through. It's a wild throwback Thursday, lots of college basketball, but we got some football to talk with former 49er. Dwight Hicks, I guess once a Niner, always a Niner, and of course Michigan Wolverine as well. So like I said, a big year for Dwight Hicks. Take a break, come back. SportsX Radio, cruising right at you on a throwback Thursday, 101.5 FM Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, live from Vegas, PSR Law Studios. Mark Hope producing. We'll be right back, live from Vegas. Yeah, legendary Jim Croce coming back here on a throwback Thursday. Mark Hook's been in the hits, throwing it way back, and we're going to go way back with Dwight Hicks, outstanding secondary player for the Niners. And I did get a text on uh, KT. didn't mention a couple of the headlines with the uh, Silver and Black State making some moves. Well, that's I'm saving that for Hondo Carpenter, who will join me and, of course, covers the Raiders there for Sports Illustrated and does a Raiders Insider podcast. So some big moves as far as uh, the coaching staff for the Silver and Black. We'll talk about that in hour number two. But right now we're focusing in on what's going to be going on in our backyard all next week, Radio Row, and of course the big game right here in town, Kansas City and San Francisco. And one of the uh, better secondary players of all times and maybe part of the greatest secondary ever. Oh man, under George Seifert, are you kidding me? That defense was something special over there. Bill Walsh ran the offense, but Seifert ran that defense and that 49er team Oh, they were solid, man. And I'm talking to a fellow Jerseyite right here. I'm talking to somebody from the Garden State. Now, KT's from north and northern New Jersey. So you knew kind of Ocean County was like the cutoff, right? If they're Ocean County and south, they root for the Eagles. If they're Ocean County and north, they would pull for the Giants, right? And so that would be the NFC draw line right there. So I'm thinking Dwight Hicks probably grew up an Eagles fan. Am I right there in Mount Holly Township guy over there at Pensacola Township? My goodness. I'm just thinking I'm talking to an Eagle guy before he made it to the NFL. Well, actually, uh, Ken, uh, I was a Raider fan. <laughs> yes. So there is there is hope. There is hope for this guy. I, I, I grew up watching Daryl Monica and... You know, Kenny Stabler, Banizak, and yes. uh, Otis Sistrunk, the University of Mars, those guys, Marv Hubbard. <laughs> um, and you uh, know who's a Jersey boy that's on there, on that, the, the Jersey boy on that team that I'm good buddies with, Phil Villapiano, number 41. And Jack Tatum. That's right, they the assassin. Was, he was a Jersey boy, too. 
There you go. And what a yeah. job at Ohio State. And, of course, uh, NFL, my goodness, he's one of the more special players coming out of the Ohio State University, which was your rival because you were a Michigan guy under both Shem Beckler. And how about those Wolverines winning it all this year? So, I mean, you're looking for the, uh, the daily double here with the Niners in the Super Bowl, but the Wolverines taking care of business. Outstanding job by Harbaugh and the guys. Yeah, they did a great job. I was so proud of those kids and, and the job that they've done, uh, winning a national championship. They uh, came short last year, uh, losing the TCU, didn't make it. But uh, they were very um, driven uh, this year, and uh, everybody came back uh, for the chance to win a national championship, and they did it. Mission accomplished. So. I feel proud of those guys and, and proud of the university. There you go. Now, meanwhile, my dad was a Brooklyn guy, but he lived in Columbus for like nine and a half, ten years before I was born. So he was a Woody Hayes guy, and he loved the Buckeyes. And all I knew, Dwight, was if they won on Saturdays, the chores were minimal. If they lost, forget about it. It was like working for Woody Hayes, for the love of God, man. You had chores that you didn't even know things existed. All of a sudden, you're up uh, cleaning out a gutter at age nine up on the roof and stuff. And, like, the old man, hey, you know, he's got you, you know, turning over the garden. It's like, Dad, it's March. There's snow. Get out there. You know, whatever's going on. But, uh, of course, uh, the football season. But it'd be uh, November uh, that I was at the Nutley, New Jersey uh, barbershop. And the old man in the late 60s, the old man's in there, and he's gloating because Ohio State has beaten Michigan on this Saturday. And everybody, you know, in, in, in Jersey, right, Rutgers wasn't relevant. So everybody was either Penn, Penn State or Notre Dame, right? And we lived in this yeah, Italian yeah. area. So all these guys are Notre Dame, right? Now Notre Dame and all the, like Frank Trapuca and all that stuff and going back and forth. And we lived right there where Kelly Trapuca played ball at Essex, you know, West Essex High School. Well, he went to Bloomfield. His, his brother Chris went to West Essex. But uh, so all this stuff going down. And all I know is my dad's in, at the barbershop gloating. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in the booster seat because it's my turn to get the haircut. Old Junior's up on the booster seat. I see, I see this guy on a white horse with a sword, these gorgeous women, this, this sun, this, this torch. And I'm like, that's my team. And I've been a USC fan ever since. And that happened to be, I think it was OJ's senior year running roughshod. And, of course, the greatest day ever in college, college football for me was in 1975 when USC played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, Dwight. And there we are sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and my old man, he's Ohio State's winning 17-10, and he's thinking, uh, this is it. We've got a, at least a share of the national title because they were tied with somebody else that was playing in another bowl game. They were both unbeaten. And so USC, Pat Hayden's driving them down, and he gets them to the 50-yard line. Now there's only like 45 seconds, and I'm like, God, come on, guys, please score. And then he hits J.K. McKay with about maybe 15 yeah, seconds left McKay. in the game. Yeah, right, right, coach's, coach's son, right? So it's 17-16, and so I'm like, all right, cool. And my dad gets up. And he, he kicks his lazy boy, and now now the wine's flowing, and, he, and he's like, God dang it. He goes, well, at least we'll get a share of that crappy, a, uh, that UPI title, right? He's like, at least we'll get a share, right? So I'm like, all of a sudden, John McKay holds up the peace sign, and my dad, like, he goes, well, what the hell kind of California crap is that? Who the hell goes for two? And they went for two. They threw it to Sheldon Diggs. They got the two-point. And, Dwight, I had to slip out so quietly out of that living room into my room, quietly close the door, and then sit there and listen to the old man drink after drink and just knowing that I'm in there. I'm just like, please don't come in my room, please. And I'm just – and finally, three hours later, Dwight, he comes in the room, and he goes, son – I just got one thing to say to you. And I'm like, I didn't even say anything. He looked at me. He goes, 
your coach has balls and he walked away and that was it that was the end of that was the end of Unbelievable, but that was the the one time. So he he really thought that John McKay, you know, made a good move, but he was so beside himself because Ohio State lost. But if they beat Michigan, it was a great day at my house in November. If they lost, like I said, forget it, chores galore. And I'm sure you had some of those college football days back in Jersey. And uh, you were on a pretty good Pensacon High School team down there in Pensacon Township. I mean, you guys in 1972, number two in South Jersey, you guys had a hell of a team. Yes, yes, we did. There's a lot of great players that came out of there. John Taylor, who played for the 49ers, went to my high school. Uh, David Griggs, who uh, played for San Diego, played in the yeah. Super Bowl. Uh, he Actually, he was killed the day after the Super Bowl when they lost to the Niners in Miami. Yep. Uh, but, do you know eight, uh, Dwight, do you know eight members of that 94 Charger team, the only one to make it to the Super Bowl, have perished since that, that game? You're kidding me. Yeah, I mean, from Junior Seau, uh, Rodney Culver. I mean, I can't remember Mims. I mean, I can't oh, remember them all, but, I, yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy. It was, like, unreal. And I started, you know, going. This was uh, years ago, too, so it was, like, within a short span after that game. And, of course, the Niners put up a 55 spot or whatever they did and just, uh, yeah. you know, blew them out. But that was a big-time game. And, of course, Junior Seau, I loved him, of course, because USC connection there and number 55. Yeah. In fact, uh, yeah. in fact, my wife was actually wearing my, my black Junior Seau jersey when I proposed to her in front of Tommy Trojan out there on campus at Southern Cal. <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff, man, Tommy good stuff. Tommy Trojan. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife remembers you from the uh, – of course, we were up there with my buddy Dave Moronic. His son, uh, Trey, had that uh, traumatic, uh, traumatic brain tra- uh, trauma yeah. and whatnot. And so you were there part of – Part of all the, uh, uh, the the great football players that were up there playing in the golf tournament and helping out and everything, and and my wife said that man is class. That man is class because there were certain guys that were over the top and getting hammered and this and that. And she's like, she got. In fact, she's still got the picture that she that I took with you and her. And she's like, that man Dwight Hicks is a class act. So well, all, all yep. I can say is, uh, you know, I had a good upbringing. Um, I, my mother taught me to treat people the way I would want them to treat me and uh, put your best foot forward whenever you can. And although we fall short sometimes, that's what I've tried to do all my life. And I've always respected uh, and uh, felt that I was uh, privileged to play the game of football uh, on a professional level. But uh, that's not who I am as a person. And I always remembered that. There you go. It's not about what you do. It's about who are you at the end of the day. That is so true. And my dad, I remember him saying, and it still resonates with me, son, you'll find out as you get older, it's not the uniform. It's the man in the uniform. And that, uh, that still resonates with me. And, of course, Dwight Hicks doing so much uh, before and afterwards, still living his life. And uh, back there on the East Coast, and uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, but captain of that Niners D. And I'm telling you, that was one heck of a squad. Tell me a little bit after transitioning, because uh, you didn't start out in the NFL. You started out there in Canada playing for the Argos, and then you transitioned into the NFL. So, you know, when you get a crack at it with Bill Walsh and the guys, I mean, a lot of people looked at that West Coast offense and they're like, ah, this thing's not going to work. And lo and behold, you were part of something great. 
I mean, just an iconic franchise with some of the best coaches. And, of course, Seifert went on to be a hell of a head coach as well with Steve Young. And, and I mean, just all this great stuff that went down. But tell me what it was like playing for Walsh and and that great organization under Ed DeBartolo. I know he's one of those uh, uh, controversial owners, but he loved his guys and he loved his team. There's no questioning that. That is correct. Um, My – I was uh, drafted by Detroit. I thought I was going to go in the first round. And then the uh, first round came and went. Uh, I was still on the board. Then I went, okay, second round. Second round came and went. Uh, still on the board. After that, I was pissed. I didn't go into the sixth round to Detroit. Um, the, uh, defense, the defensive backfield coach, for some reason, I don't know if it was a Michigan connection or what, but he did not like me. He didn't give me the time of day. Uh, he didn't let me play my position, which was my true position was free safety. I played corner. I played strong safety. Uh, but he never let me play a free safety. And then uh, I was cut the next to the last um, uh, preseason game and uh, went up into Canada, played four games, hurt my ankle, came back, signed with Philly, because I wanted to come home and play. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dick Vermeil uh, kept me until camp ended. All the veterans were congratulating me because I had made the team. Uh, the next day, they released me. And uh, I was just it was like somebody had ripped my heart out of my chest. I knew I should have been on that team. Uh, but uh, it didn't work out. But it's, I tell kids all the time, you know, don't – it's not how you start. It's where you end up, how you finish, and what you put out in the universe. And I always wanted to be an all-pro to help my team win a Super Bowl, and those were my goals, uh, individual goal and a team goal. And it didn't happen in Detroit. It didn't happen in Philly, and actually Philly went to the Super Bowl that year and lost to the Raiders, and I had to wait another year and a half uh, to go to the worst team in the league, and then a year and a half later I realized my dream uh, playing in the Super Bowl and winning. Yeah, no doubt about it, and you uh, talk about that Raider team. Uh, friends with uh, Rod Martin, of course, and the only guy to have three interceptions in a Super Bowl, how he didn't get the MVP is a, is a mind-boggler still to this day, but uh, love Rod, great guy, and, uh, you know, Superman. But speaking of Superman, you had a lot of them on that Niners team, and let's talk about that secondary. Let's get rolling on that, and then we'll take a short break, and we'll come back, and we'll kind of reiterate a little bit more, and then we'll uh, – sum up that Kansas City Niners matchup right here in Vegas. But talk to me about, you know, guys like Ronnie Lott and Eric Wright and Carlton Williamson. I mean, that was unbelievable, that secondary. Yes. Well, yeah, I knew early on in camp that we were going to be pretty good. And uh, they didn't quite know that. But I had been there for a year and a half. I'd seen uh, defensive backs come and go. Uh, But these guys were competitors. Uh, they came from solid programs. Ronnie went to SC. Uh, Eric Wright went to Missouri, and Carlton went to Pitt. And I think he, I think Carlton won a national championship with Pitt. Anyway, uh, I, you know, I, I knew those guys were going to be pretty good. 
And I thought that uh, I said, you know, you guys. They looked at me when I was like I was crazy when I said, I said, you guys don't know how uh, how we're uh, maturing. Uh, I said, you know, I know this defense. I see how you guys play. I said, if we were smart, we'd negotiate our contracts as a secondary. And they didn't understand what I was saying. And then in 1984, this is how special uh, those guys were. We played well together. Uh, All four of us made the Pro Bowl in 1984 after winning the Super Bowl and beating Miami. So uh, they didn't understand that, but I knew. I foresaw that we were going to be pretty good. And what we did in 1981 uh, will never happen again. We we won a Super Bowl with three rookies in the defensive backfield. Uh, that will – it never happened before, and it will never happen again. And, and that's why it was very special to me to be able to not only play with guys of that caliber, but also uh, – with the caliber of that team, and because uh, we were we were fairly young, we had a couple veterans, but we were pretty young. But we knew that we were pretty good, and we really competed. and And I think that's uh, one of the reasons why we were so successful. And having a guy like Joe Montana at the helm did not hurt us at all, because he was quite the competitor as well. And uh, I always tell people, I'm glad he was on our team. <laughs> yeah, no, no question about it. Joe was absolutely unbelievable and uh, just an amazing guy. And of course, uh, friends with Bob Golick, and they were all American captains there at Notre Dame and a uh, fun team. And of course, being a USC guy, I always had the, the fun going back and ribbing with Golick, the Notre Dame USC rivalry. But Montana, what a special player he was and what a special guy he's been on and off the field. Like a lot of that Niner team, a lot of you guys have continued to be ambassadors for the NFL and, and represent uh, as far as in your lives, just doing great things for the communities that you live in. And that's what's so important, like you said, Dwight, giving back to the communities and uh, always remembering where you came from. Absolutely, and uh, as great of a quarterback of Joe Montana was, uh, he was even a greater guy. And I think that's uh, the caliber of guys we had uh, throughout that team. And we played for each other, and uh, we didn't make quite the money, not even close to what they're making to- today. But we, it wasn't about that so much. As about more, it was about winning and playing together as a team. And uh, that's how we played, and we were very successful. And I'm very lucky and fortunate to have been a part of uh, that franchise and and the type of guys that uh, was on that team. No doubt. He was the leader of that secondary, Dwight Hicks, and the Hot Licks. And uh, we will take a break. We will come back. We're going to get a little bit more from Dwight as far as the team that he played with. And, of course, looking at this big matchup with Kansas City, Andy Reid, what a great story they are with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, of course, yeah, the uh, Taylor Swift stuff. But realistically, that is just a good, solid team. And I really think that defense is underrated. And we'll talk to Dwight about that. And then we'll also weigh in on this Niners team, one of the best defensive ends in the country, of course, in the NFL, Nick Bosa. And uh, pretty solid, underrated defense overall for the Niners as well. And we'll have Dwight weigh in, and then we'll get his take as far as the game itself, who he 
thinks will win. I know he's going to be a little bit partial probably for the Niners, but at the end of the day, we'll get his take and what he thinks the big game a week a week from Sunday right here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. 101.5 FM Don. We stream live on that Odyssey app. Well, about eight minutes with Dwight. When we come back, keep it right here on Don. Streaming live on that Odyssey app. Live from Vegas, you're listening to SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson. Mark Hoke producing. Coming right back at you. GNR, baby, little Guns N' Roses coming back. Paradise City, yeah, it was in the Bay Area when uh, old Dwight Hicks and them Hotlicks were playing for those Niners. A lot of fun, that team. And I've got some real good buddies, Modesto, San Mateo. Those guys don't let me forget about that Niner mystique. And, of course, uh, they are looking forward to the big game right here in our backyard at Allegiant Stadium. Two of the Raiders' biggest rivals, of course, the Niners and the Chiefs going at it right here on our field. Couldn't be worse, but whatever. It is what it is. Should be an epic matchup. And Dwight Hicks, let's uh, – hey, it is what it is, right? Got to call it the way it is. But, Dwight, talk, talk to me a little bit real quick about, uh, you know, just, just uh, George Seifert himself because, you know, everybody looks at Walsh and then Seifert stepped in. That guy, I mean, when you hand the baton off to somebody and, and you're as iconic as Bill Walsh, it, there's always, a, you know, a lot of pressure on that next guy to live up to the billing. And George Seifert never pretended to be like Walsh. But, man, I'll tell you, he walked to the beat of his own drum, and he did one hell of a job. Yeah, uh, what people don't understand that uh, as good as our offense was, our defense was just as good. Uh, Walsh demanded perfection uh, as far as his offense was concerned, and so did George Seifert. He demanded perfection as far as our defense, and especially the secondary, because he came in as a secondary coach. And uh, we would stay in meetings when he first came uh, to the 49ers with uh, Ronnie, Eric, and Carlton. Uh, he went out and worked them out, and he he told uh, the general manager that, to draft them one, two, and three because he had a lot of confidence in them. And uh, we would stay in meetings forever uh, in camp. <laughs> but, you know, it all paid off because uh, we played well together. Uh, everyone was on the same page uh, on, in that secondary, and we just felt that if we played well, that we would win. And uh, Seifert instilled that in us. He, he instilled that uh, perfection that we can't make any mistakes, uh, and we made very minimal mistakes, and we uh, contributed quite a bit um, to our offense by not having them dry, having to drive. 80 yards down the field. We'd get interceptions, force fumbles, and our offense would get the ball a lot of times with only 50 yards to go to score a touchdown instead of having to drive 80 yards for a touchdown. And as you know, a lot can happen in those 80 yards. And when you have a shorter field, the percentage of you scoring becomes a lot higher. And uh, that's what we were able to do. And part of that is a lot of that is because of George Seifert. 
No doubt. And of course, a lot of that was because of number 22 there in that secondary who had 32 career interceptions, 602 interception yards, man. That is absolutely phenomenal. Great stuff. Dwight Hicks, give me the breakdown now in our backyard next Sunday because it should be one heck of a game. And what I loved about San Francisco offensively second half was watching Brock Purdy run with conviction three times. And after he ran that first time where he said, you know, I think I can do this. He looked pretty solid and pretty confident the next two times he ran, and those were big-time runs at the right time that really gave the Niners more confidence after they had uh, gotten that lead there, and then they hold on and knock off Detroit. But I thought that was key, seeing the confidence for Purdy. And I'm looking for him to maybe have that wrinkle in the arsenal as they go into this game against Kansas City. How do you see it? Well, I I think the teams are evenly matched. I give... uh... Uh, the 49ers, uh, their defense, uh, as I feel, is a little bit better than uh, Kansas City. But you know, when you when you talk about stats, you know they always say uh, stats are for losers. It's it's about the win, right? Uh, but uh, Steve Wilkes is a young defensive coordinator. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a game plan uh, that he has uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs because. His hands will be full, and uh, they don't like to blitz. They like to get to the quarterback uh, with their front uh, four, and uh, they've done very well. They've gotten 16 interceptions during the year, and uh, I think Kansas City, their defense, they've only had six for the most part, 33 sacks, but uh, they, they're going to be good because of Steve Spagnuolo. He's mm-hmm. a veteran. Uh, he's been around the game. Uh, he's going to have some uh, wrinkles and some bl- a blitz package, I'm sure, for Purdy to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, it's going to be up to the 49ers offensive line to protect Purdy and give him a little time to find uh, Ayuk and, and uh, Debo Samuels and, and Kittle. Uh, but, you know, their defense is going to be have their hands full because of Patrick Mahone. He is a veteran, and he's been around. He's won Super Bowls, and Purdy is trying to establish himself as a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. So um, they're going to have their hands full, but I think if they could uh, double-team Kelsey and um, stop uh, the running game with Isaiah Pacheco, I think they have a shot. I I think they have a shot. Now, they're, they're... I think the betting thing is what makes the point spread, who's the underdog, who's not. But I, I see the 49ers as the underdog. A lot of money is going on the 49ers, and that's why they are the favorites. But when you look about uh, the, um, the experience that the Kansas City Chiefs have, they've been there. Uh, Andy Reid, wow, what a genius as far as offensive uh, football is concerned. And he's going to have a game plan that's going to uh, give the 49ers uh, a little uh, trouble as well. So I think the offense and defensive coordinators uh, are going to have their hands full. Kyle Shanahan is going to have to come up with a heck of a game plan um, and try because the 49ers like to control the ball running the ball uh, with McCaffrey. And uh, if he gets on track – it's going to be tough for the Kansas City Chiefs and because 
You can control the ball running the ball. Yeah, Dwight, only get only get about only get about only get about thirty seconds. So I just if I can get I'm sorry because I'm up against a hard break, my man, but if you can give me give me a score. Give me a Dwight Hicks special. Uh I I'm gonna take the forty ers uh twenty seven twenty four. Good enough for me, my man. I appreciate you. Dwight, look, we'll do it again because I want to talk with you and really get into that era that you played because, to me, it's one of my favorite times watching football in all my life. I mean, that's some of the best football that's ever been played in some of the storybook teams back in the day, and you were part of one of the greatest organizations of all times. Dwight Hicks, appreciate you taking time out. SportsX Radio, we will talk to you down the line. Hour number one in the books, folks. We take a break halfway home. And, of course, our good friend Hondo Carpenter coming up, Sports Illustrated's finest, and, of course, does that Raiders Insider podcast. A couple moves on the coaching staff for the Silver and Black State. We'll talk about it. We'll get Hondo's take as far as the big game coming up as well right here in Vegas. 101.5 FMK Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it now. You're listening to Ken Thompson and SportsX Radio. Mark Hope producing. We'll be right back live from Vegas. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Panache and Ravaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Call 702-560-5520. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. And by Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. All right, KT, hour number two, PSR Lost Studios here in Las Vegas. You got that 702 down, 560-5520, the best in personal injury here in the Vegas Valley, year number five. And also, demographically, if you fall between the ages of 40 and 72 years of age, you are fortunate. And if you're coming into the Vegas Valley for the big game and you've got some time, you're going to be in town for a little bit, give a call ahead. Check out that heart. Worst case scenario, that's all you do. But you got to take advantage of the incredible special at the Preventative Diagnostic Center under Dr. John Pierce. It is phenomenal because we have the only scanner of its kind in the region. That gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. They'll uh, check you out for pericarditis, myocarditis, and uh, make sure that heart is good to go. And all your other organs, you can get internally checked out as well. Preventative Diagnostic Center, you can give a call now, leave your name and number. They'll get back to you, set up that free educational consultation. Make sure you tell them KT Sports X Radio sent you. You got the 702 down for Vegas, 534-7900, Comfortable scan takes just a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. The heart CT scan and calcium score special. That's what I'm talking about. Get you in the door. 125 for a $600 value. Guys, don't get blindsided by that Widowmaker. Ladies, number one killer of women annually here in the United States is heart disease. Your significant other is absolutely free. So the two of you get in there, get your hearts checked out for a total of $125. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534 7900. Use that 702 area code, 534 7900. PDCenterLV.com. PDCenterLV.com. Go to the website, check it out. You can see the scanner there. They have some FYI questions answered as well, but give a call, leave your name and number, and they'll get back to you with that free educational consultation. Great stuff from Dwight Hicks. 
And what a great secondary that was. He was part of, and he was a captain on that uh, secondary for uh, several years there under George Seifert and, of course, Walsh and Seifert. What a combination there. And those Niners are back in the promised land right here in our backyard against Kansas City. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, we got some big news out of the Silver and Black State camp. So, you know, when I got to break news and I need inside information, who do I go to? Well, there's none better. He's got his own Raider Insider podcast. He uh, has been following and writing for this team, Sports Illustrated, award-winning writer. Uh, Over the last five years, he's covered these uh, Raiders as well as anybody. And I just love him. He's a great man of God. He loves his wife. He's got a a beautiful young son, 18 months old. They do a podcast together, Dexter and uh, Hondo Carpenter. And then, of course, Hondo does his Insider Raider podcast as well and uh, continues to bring great information across here in the Vegas Valley and beyond. Hondo Carpenter, always great to have you. SportsX Radio, my man, great to have you. And a lot going on in the world of football, including with our Silver and Black State. Yes, sir. So I don't know if you saw tonight, but I reported um, I reported several days ago that Marvin Lewis was going to be part of the staff. And now that we know Patrick Graham is coming back, he's going to be the assistant head coach. Um, But additionally, we broke the story tonight that um, Cliff Kingsbury is AP's choice for his offensive coordinator, former coach at at, uh, Texas A&M, former head coach at Texas Tech, former head coach with the Arizona Cardinals, and now he's going to – no deal is done yet there. They're still working on it, but both parties are expecting the deal to be done. We uh, had been reporting for several days there was another offensive candidate for uh, for the offensive coordinator job who was a former successful head coach, and um, but we had not released his name. Now, the the secrecy around him was that there was speculation that he had not informed um, all of his current leadership that he was going to be looking. They was potentially interviewing for another job, and that was Chip Kelly. And that story broke tonight via Ian Rappaport, and we confirmed that that's the guy we've been talking about. He interviewed twice for the job. I only knew of one, but uh, Rappaport reported he interviewed twice. But um, it ended up Kingsbury was the guy that Antonio Pierce wanted on his staff. And we were told by someone who was privy to the inside information um, about the interview that what really impressed Antonio Pierce, and we've said this from day one, He was not married to anyone. He wanted to interview a ton of people. And I want to take you in and explain why, because I know your listeners love the the inside juicy stuff. Mm -hmm. Patrick Graham was a guy that many around the NFL thought was ready to be a head coach when he coached with the New England Patriots. And then he goes to, um, to the Giants where his head coach put the brakes on him and was quite frankly a, just a moron of a head coach. And so Patrick Graham looked terrible with the Giants. And so when he got hired by the Raiders, I talked about this is a guy that should be a head coach in the NFL. This is a tremendous football coach. I took a ton of criticism from Raider fans, but look how bad he was with New York. And then last summer, I reported about how fortunate the Raiders were that he was back and took a bunch of grief. But did you not see how this year went? And I tried to explain to people Everybody has a job, has a boss. And so if one of my bosses comes along and tells me, we want you to write X story and I write it and people don't like it, but my boss loves it. I have a boss. And I tried to explain to people that coaches just don't become terrible 
overnight and that an AP understood that. And so he said, I'm going to open up to anyone I think that's an offensive mind that I want to pick their brain. I want someone to woo me. Now, I think you'll find this fascinating. When they, and I have not even written what I'm about to put on your on your show right now. When they um, sat down with Kingsbury, I don't believe, according to people I've talked to, that they thought he would get the job. I think they liked, you know, his his air raid offense, which is really a a you know a, a testimony, um, you know, to the former Mississippi State coach. And I, but they didn't necessarily think he'd get the job. And then as he began to discuss his philosophies, and it wasn't just the air raid offense. Now there's nothing wrong with the air raid. I like it, but it was. You know, hey, there's lots of different ways to get somewhere on a map. So you can go with an air raid attack. You can go with a play-action pass attack. You can go with a heavy run attack. He really wowed Antonio Pierce because Antonio Pierce wants to be married to winning more than a particular scheme. And so if they have personnel that doesn't fit, then they want to be able to be mobile with their scheme. He saw under Josh McDaniels, there was not mobility under the scheme. And this is a guy that learned from Mike Leach, again, from Texas Tech and from Mississippi State and even Washington State, um, you know, that air raid offense. But he impressed them with his ability talking about how to get to 24 points a game, which is AP's goal. Um, from many different places, and he really won them. So they interviewed Chip twice, who has a ton of experience. He was very successful with Oregon, but they just could not get off the fact of how impressed they were with Kingsbury, and AP made the decision, that's my guy. Now they're trying to get a deal worked out, but I was told uh, that that's expected. Great stuff. Great stuff. I mean, I'm just uh, – what's your take on Kingsbury overall as far as uh, the offensive mind, because we saw him there at Texas Tech, and of course people go, oh, well, Mahomes was there. Uh, but I don't think any of us, Hondo, knew that Mahomes was going to be that. We knew, you know, the genie, you know, the genes and what with, you know, his dad being a solid baseball pitcher for years, and, and uh, you know, we watched him play, but that team near, really never amounted to much. I mean, they were 6-6, six and six, I think maybe one year 7-5, and five, and uh, he always seemed to be running for his life, Patrick Mahomes did, and uh, Kansas City, you know, they, they saw something that a lot of other teams didn't see because they traded up to get him. And I just didn't know uh, your take as far as Kingsbury, because there's some that look back and go, my God, if he realized what he had in Patrick Mahomes, he probably would have been able to put a better team around him. And I guess maybe the offensive line wasn't solid enough. I mean, I know it was a wide open offense, but really Mahomes took a lot of beating in college. He really did. You know, one of the things that stood out to me when Patrick came out is I had several scouts say to me they really liked him but he was on teams that had terrible defenses and he was in the, so there was a lot of his game. You didn't get to see because he didn't have a lot of talent around him. There were a lot of people that thought, um, I know when he came out, there were several teams that had second and third round grades on him. And the thing that Kansas city saw is they really looked at him in those senior bowls and, and looked at what he did when he had some talent and he flashed and they said, okay, there's a flash. We love everything about him. And now that we've seen him with a little bit of more talent, that's why Andy Reid's Andy Reid. I'll give you a great example of this. I was talking to an NFL executive 
Um, and in May, him and I are going on a bass fishing trip together. And I was talking to him this week about planning our trip. We're figuring out where we're going to go. And um, I was mentioning to him, are you not surprised that Bill Belichick, who's the best coach in NFL history, didn't get a job? Now, I was not surprised that a bunch of teams didn't line up because Bill can be difficult to deal with. But I thought somebody would give him a chance. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I think he's on the Mount Rushmore, but I don't think he's the best. I said, why do, why do you say that? He goes, I think Joe Gibbs is the best. He goes, I think Andy Reid is better than him. He said he did all of his success with one quarterback. Andy Reid had a lot of success with three different quarterbacks. And and he goes, and Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, and none of them Hall of Famers. At least one of Andy Reid's, Patrick Mahomes, is going to be a Hall of Famer. We know about Tom Brady. I thought that was a, a brilliant analysis. And one of the things that I credit Andy Reid for, and, you know, I know he loves hamburgers and he's the big guy and everyone likes to make fun of him because of his size. He is one of the best talent evaluators there is. In fact, I was talking to an NFL executive today who told me that he believes he is the best AFC evaluator of talent since Al Davis in his prime. I thought that was fascinating. In fact, I'm going to be with Andy Reid later next week, and I'm going to ask him about that. I thought that was a tremendous compliment that someone gave him, and it really tells you about you know his ability to see things that others don't see. And that's why I think the Chiefs are where they're at. And that's why I think they're perennially good. When he was with the Eagles, they were perennially good. You always see him getting guys and making plays. Look at what they've done without Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. Look at what they did this year. They're struggling. The Raiders beat them on Christmas, and yet they're still here. That is a testament to the greatness of Andy Reid. There's no doubt. And, you know, I'm, you know, being a Jersey boy and, you know, I still follow Rutgers. And, of course, Shiano's put them on the map there. But I had no idea Isaiah Pacheco was that solid of a downhill runner. And, I mean, I know he had 24 carries, 68 yards, got the touchdown. But he still, he runs hard. And he was coming, you know, he's been banged up a couple of different injuries this year. But you feel like he's going to get you a yard and a half, two yards if he needs it, going off tackle, getting around, turning the corner, whatever. So they saw something in him, too, that I think other teams didn't see. Yeah, now, in fairness, I know Isaiah. I've interviewed him multiple times. When I was covering the Big Ten, obviously, you know, Michigan State was after him and several other schools. Tremendous kid. Um, He is a faster Lavian Bell with a little bit better attitude. Now, in fairness, I'm very good friends with Lavian Bell and his family. Love Lavian. Um, I think he's a good kid. I just know there are some people that aren't necessarily impressed with him. But uh, Pacheco, one of the things that he did well is on a bad Rutgers team. Nick Saban years ago, uh, this this will put Pacheco in perspective for you. Years ago, I was having a sandwich with Nick Saban, and he was talking about, Um, I said to him, why is it that you're always so successful picking running backs? And I said, explain to me what you look for. And I think you'll find this fascinating, Ken. He said, I look for guys that fall forward. He goes, there's always going to be a breakdown and a guy's going to get hit behind the line of scrimmage. 
So does he fall forward to the line of scrimmage or does it end up losing three or four yards by going backwards? He goes, I'm not, he goes, when I turn on tape, I never watch the long runs. He goes, because by the time he gets to my desk, I know he can do that. Only thing I tell my coaches is I want you to give me the cut-ups on his runs where he's hit behind the line of scrimmage. And then I want to watch every play of him being tackled. Does he tackle forward? Does he pick up an extra yard getting tackled? I always thought that was brilliant by Nick. And when you watched Isaiah in high school, he was that way. And when he got to Rutgers, he was that way as well. He was just a guy on a really bad team and a very bad program that found a way to get yardage. And I've always been fascinated by players like that since Nick taught me that a long time ago. And he's that kind of guy, and that's exactly what Andy Reid loved about him. Yeah, and when people say, ah, well, Pacheco's hurt, Pacheco at 80% is as good as a lot of guys, 100%. So, yeah, while he might be hurt, you're right, a guy that falls forward and still is able to keep those legs churning and get some big yards, no doubt. And Casey, very, very impressive with the lead against Baltimore. Real quick, before we go to the first break, Hondo, uh, that game with Baltimore, I just felt like, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but somebody like, Lamar Jackson, to me, if he's having trouble and he's getting hemmed up inside the tackle box, right, and he can't get out of there, and we know it's like having, you know, secretariat locked up in the stable. you got to get him out, right? I don't understand why you don't take a quarterback like that and roll him off the shotgun snap out to his right to give him a run pass option, bring a tight end with him, maybe do something. But, I mean, roll him out four or five, six times, in the game, this way it keeps the defense off balance. If he's setting up back the same, and they used to drive me nuts with Derek Carr, and Derek Carr, of course, doesn't have that type of speed that a Lamar Jackson has, although Derek's not a slow guy, but it used to bum me out that he'd always be back there, same spot almost every time, and I'm watching Bose and Khalil Mack coming in and meeting at the quarterback, and I'm like, gosh dang it, if you would just roll out to the right a couple times, bring the tight end with you. The Raiders did it twice in London against the Bears, and both plays, I think, were like an eight- and nine-yard pass to the tight end. And I was like, God, that's all I'm looking for is to keep the defense off balance. And I wanted to see that from Baltimore last week, and they never did it. They never made adjustments to me and used Lamar Jackson to me the way that he should be used. And I know they did the same thing with Michael Vick. Look, we're going to make him a pocket passer. I know Lamar Jackson can throw the football, but at the end of the day, for him to be a successful quarterback – with Lamar Jackson skill set, I want to have him to be that dual threat. And I never felt like he was put in position to be that dual threat last week. A couple of things I'd like to say there. Number one, I think it's great that you noticed that that didn't happen, but there were a couple of reasons that it didn't happen. First of all, Baltimore was spying him the whole game and they were setting the edge. They took that away from him. And it wasn't that, I mean, so if you watch that game and anybody that has that game DVR, go back and look. I talked with somebody, part of the Baltimore um, organization after the game, and they were so frustrated. That was great defense by Spagnola at Kansas City, the, the great defensive coordinator. They had him spied, and then they, had got their, they were setting their defensive heads up wide so if he rolled, he was going to be rolling right into a defensive end. That that yeah. was more Kansas City 
doing a good job than Baltimore not doing theirs. They planned on doing a lot of it. But the problem is, if you remember, if you go back, uh, their second possession and fourth they tried, and both times he got stopped behind the line because Kansas City was sold out. They basically said, if you're going to beat us, you're not going to do it out on the edge. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to credit them there. But one thing I think that I want, if you don't mind, I want to flip and go to Kansas City real quick on their offense, because I think your listeners, you know, you have such an informed listener base. I, this is really going to stick out. I want them to watch this. The first drive of the Super Bowl with Kansas City has the ball. One of the things with your offensive lineman is you can never let the shin get even with or behind the ankle. And that is one thing you teach offensive linemen for day one. Your shin has to be forward of your ankle because that, that puts you in a leverage situation. If you go back and look after with all the plays with five offensive linemen with two legs, so every play you're looking at 10 sets of ankles. I was told the other day there was only three times where an offensive lineman had a leg either parallel or behind his ankle the entire game. They're, they are tacticians on that offensive line, and they weren't doing that earlier in the year. They had a lot of guys banged up. And when you saw what Spagnola did on defense, which said, okay, we're not going to let Lamar beat us on the edge. We're not, we're, we're not going to let it happen. And we're going to spy you so you really can't, just take off and run, we're going to make you stay in the pocket. And that is how you beat Baltimore. And I agree with you. They, If they were going to win, they had to do it. But but a lot of people, because they didn't know, that that's where Spagnola earned his paycheck right there with that job. And then that offensive line, keeping those, ankle, those, those, those shins in front of the ankle, that's such a big deal. No question. They did it without Tooney as well, the all-pro guard. Ken Thompson, Hondo Carpenter are going to come back. Keep Hondo. Love this man. I mean, he breaks it down with the best of them. And just when you think you know something, you will learn more from Hondo Carpenter. We'll do it when we come back. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM KDON. Sam, we're, of course, streaming live on that Odyssey app. 27 seconds to go in Lincoln. Nebraska has come back from 18 down. They lead Wisconsin by two. I'll keep you updated on that. On the hardwood, Freddie Hoiberg's guys coming back. And uh, my wife, of course, a gal that grew up outside of Madison. She's not a happy camper right now. We'll let you know how it ends. SportsX Radio coming right back. Hour number two with Hondo Carpenter and Ken Thompson. Keep it right here. I broke a thousand hearts before I met you. And I'll break a thousand more, baby, before I'm through. I want to be yours, but a baby, yours and yours alone. I'm here to tell you, honey, I'm bad to the bone. Ah, uh, yeah, a little bad to the bone, a little live George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers. KT Live, PSBR Law Studios, actually, uh... Get it down, KTPSR Law Studios. Another dollar into the kitty over there. Mark Hoke, uh, he's going to uh, probably take a few of those dollars out. There'll be a few missing, but uh, KT adds to it uh, every time he makes a mistake. So PSR Law Studios now, the B no longer in effect. Uh, Wisconsin got it all evened up. They're going to overtime in Lincoln, tied at 67, so we'll keep an eye there. Plenty of action going on the college hardwood. But we're talking football right now with one of the best in the business. In fact, I had a couple uh, of my good, solid listeners 
And they just texted me. They go, Hondo Carpenter, man, this guy is a must listen. And that's why I love getting him on. So anytime we get Hondo Carpenter on, it's kind of like, uh, you know what? Uh, the old Hewlett Packard, you know what? Shut up and uh, and uh, just listen because you're going to learn something. And uh, I love it because he enlightens me every time he comes on SportsX Radio, and we're fortunate to have him. we got people all the way in Argentina listening. doesn't much matter. Hondo Carpenter, wherever he talks, people are going to be listening. And uh, Hondo Carpenter, let's go back to it because you were breaking down KC and Andy Reid and telling me some inside stuff that we're only going to get right here on SportsX Radio when HC, Hondo Carpenter's on, unless uh, unless you have a, you know, a sick day and then Dexter will come on and fill in. Hey, and you know what? He'd like it. He took seven steps tonight, Ken, so he's learning there how to go. Walk. He's almost there. Oh, he said that's like James Harden, and then, and then he shoots. <laughs> yeah, he's go. ready for the NBA now. <laughs> it's awesome. Seven steps. Um, you know, I was I was telling you about me uh, visiting with an NFL executive uh, about our fishing trip later this week, and I was asking him because he's very familiar with the Raiders and very familiar, you know, excuse me, very familiar with the Chiefs and very familiar with San Francisco. And one of the things that him and I were talking about about with this game is that the finesse of Kansas City and the burly brawling what you see from San Francisco. He told me, he goes, I think this is going to be one of the most competitive Super Bowls that we've had since um, Seattle, you know, lost the game with, when they didn't run Marshawn Lynch. I thought that was a fascinating observation that he made. And he was telling me, you know, one of the things that you notice and I brought up the keeping, you know, how well Kansas City's keeping their shins in front of their ankles, and and he we agreed on that. But he but the finesse of Kansas City, this San Francisco team now is healthy. A lot of people thought San Francisco would have won the Super Bowl last year, but they ran out of quarterbacks. And this, to me, I asked him, to me, you got it to be the man, you got to beat the man. To quote Ric Flair. And so I'm, I'm picking Kansas City. I, at the beginning of the season, I made my picks for SI, and I predicted that it would be Kansas City and either San Francisco or Philadelphia. And I, I, I was, you know, there was some concern what Philadelphia, I mean, what uh, San Francisco would do at quarterback. And so I'm not surprised that these two teams are here. It's kind of who I thought would be here. But it's going to be interesting how Kansas City takes the punch in the face. Their defense is, they're winning now. A lot of people don't know this. They're not winning because of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they're scoring points, but they're winning because of their defense. If you go back and watch their games, the Raiders' defense shut them down. That's why the Raiders beat them. And the interesting part is that their defense is getting some key turnovers and getting them the ball in some short you know, parts of the field. And so I'm going to stick with my original prediction that Kansas City would win because I predicted it. But I really think, and I think there's a lot of feeling in the NFL, that this is going to be San Francisco's game because they're, not, they're going to play a lot like the Raiders. As a matter of fact, this general manager, I mean, this executive said to me, he said, they're like a more talented Raiders tough defense they're going to punch you in the face but they've got more they're utilizing more of their weapons and then that segued into a conversation i'd love to share with you he said to me i can't believe there are raider fans that think this team is a rebuild Mm 
And I said, okay, tell me why, why, because I don't think it is either. He goes, you've got Dylan Parham, who's been, a, who's a two-year player that's been, has played every game. He's a starter. I mean, the guy is, he goes, he's a superstar in the making. He goes, and he said this, this is his words. He goes, I don't know that you've had a guard as good as him since Art Shell. Now that's saying a wow. lot. Wow. That's saying goes, a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he goes, you got Colton Miller who is one of the best left tackles in all of the NFL, still in his prime. He goes, then you go over, he goes, you've got great receivers. Trey Tucker, who I think is going to be the breakout player of the year next year. Then you have Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Zamir White showing flashes, and we know Josh Jacobs wants to come back. He said, there are weapons all over that offense. He goes, and then when you go to the defense, where you hardly paid anything, but Spillane should be in the Pro Bowl. Jack Jones, if he'd have been here a full year, would have played in the Pro Bowl. Max Crosby, he goes, if, 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 if AP had been the coach the whole year, do you know this, Ken? From the time AP took over until the end of the year, Max Crosby and Malcolm Kuntz had more pressures than any defensive end combo in the NFL. Imagine if he would have had a full year. There's a lot of weapons on that team, and this is not a team that needs to rebuild. They need some key pieces, but this is not a rebuild. And that's why I've been talking a lot lately. 60% of quarterbacks picked in the first round never pan out. 60%. And so when you hear people saying the Raiders got to move up, the Raiders got to move up, the Raiders got to move up, first of all, your rookie quarterback was asked to not give up the ball. He did exactly what he was asked, and he had nine touchdowns and one um, interception in the last five games. And oh, by the way, they finished five and four. I'm not saying they don't need another quarterback. I, I'm like Bill Walsh. You draft one every, one a year because it's so valuable. But if you're not convinced, if you're not convinced there is a generational player, you don't risk your mortgage your future for a potential buying of your present now that's not guaranteed. Now, I'm going to say this on your program, and I want you guys to write it down. Mm-hmm. I had a general manager tell me this years ago. There's a reason certain teams are always picking at the top of the draft. It's because they suck at it and because they're terrible. I am talking to several teams, good teams, teams that don't one guy I talked to this week who doesn't need a quarterback who said, I'm sorry, we don't even have we, – we have Caleb Williams not even in the first round. We have him as complete bust. There are a lot of concerns about him. He's extremely athletic, good kid. Mm-hmm. It's not a character <clears throat> issue, yep. but he's a bust. He's a bust. Now, somebody – he told me, somebody's going to pick him. And he goes, it's why teams like mine always – everyone credits us for getting steals in the draft – because there's always the idiots at the front who make stupid picks and those good players fall to us because they're not sexy. If the Raiders go out and, and are convinced there's a generational talent, then you move up. But if they're not, Tom Telesco and Antonio Pierce are mortgaging their future, and you know real quick if you've got them or not. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating. I've talked to several people who've said, if the Raiders aren't convinced there's a generational player there, then you stay at 13. Now, I put my first mock draft out today 
where we had the Raiders taking J.J. McCarthy and staying at 13. This is a guy um, I had that same general manager tell me there's only two quarterbacks that they have a first-round grade on, and one of them is J.J. McCarthy. And he said this to me. He said, so many teams only look at stats because they're lazy or they don't know what they're doing. He goes, and they're going to look at J.J. McCarthy's passing numbers and say he can't do it in the NFL. He says, but he was on a running team with probably the best offensive line in all of college football. They didn't have to pass, but he completed 73% of his passes when he did. He was electric. He could run. He goes, J.J. McCarthy goes, we don't need a quarterback, and we're picking at the bottom part of the first round. But if we did, we would pick J.J. McCarthy because we have a first-round grade on him. That's a guy, I think, that's not getting a lot of attention. But he did tell me. He goes, if the draft was today, he would go in the second round. He goes, but as teams get to spend more time around him, he goes, and listen to people and know what they're talking about. He goes, there's no way he's going to get out of the first round. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, that is something special, no doubt. And, of course, me being an SC fan, I've watched all of Caleb Williams' games, and I uh, said there's several games you know, where he's done this stuff. You're not going to get away with that cute stuff over by the sideline with the you know taking the extra step and deacon here, deacon there. And, and there's been several games that you know, SC, even uh, the year that they you know, looked like they were potentially heading toward the playoff, that you know, they were fortunate to win. And then this year, they were lucky they weren't a 500 team. They were very close to a 500 team. And again, I, I just didn't see him being uh, head and shoulders above all these other quarterbacks like everybody was talking about. And even as great as Shanahan is, let's remember, I mean, he got bailed out by Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, because he traded three first-round, three freaking first-round picks for Trey Lance, who turned out to be a bust so far. Well, I'd like to to give you a little bit of inside information, if you don't mind. I actually reported this when they picked Trey Lance. Um, I was told by someone close to the situation that John Lynch and Shanahan did not want Trey Lance. They thought he was a bust. But that was above them who made the decision to go get him, and that's why they didn't get punished for it. Mm. And you're right, they did get bailed out. But that's part of the reason why they got why they haven't had any of repercussions from the franchise is because they didn't want him. And I reported that when they picked him. So this is not me, you know, reporting backwards. I reported at the time that they did not want him. That was not the guy they wanted. You may remember there was a lot of consternation when the trade was made. People are like, "Who are they going to pick?" Right, right. And the problem was is they didn't really want him. They, they were not impressed with him. They, they see, uh, and I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, even though their games are different, that they think Caleb Williams is a complete bust. In fact, that one uh, executive I was telling you about in his franchise, um, they're joking about who's going to pick him, And they're laughing about it because they go, he's another guy that's going to get at one of these loser teams going to get the next set of people fired. That's how convinced they are that he's a bust. Now, I, I'm not saying that I feel that way. I've not seen enough of his games to make an evaluation. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing from people in the NFL, experienced what they know, what they believe, what they're saying. He is Hondo Carpenter, at Hondo Carpenter on X. You can follow him that way. By the way, Hondo mentioned a couple of Raiders, Malcolm Kuntz and Dylan Parham, as he was kind of weighing in on the offense and defense and um, some solid pieces there for the Raiders. Both of those gentlemen will be tomorrow over there at Caesars Palace. They will be at the Forum Shops. 
between 1 and 2 o'clock, and the first 100 people at the NFL Las Vegas store at the forum shops to make a $50 purchase for outer stuff, youth or kids apparel, will receive an autographed headshot. And uh, please get on down there. I mean, that is a great deal to get to meet Malcolm Kuntz. Remember, he went to Buffalo, same place Khalil Mack went. And my goodness, he showed very, uh, visions of Khalil Mack in that one game where he had four sacks this year. And Dylan Parham out of Memphis. Yeah, this kid plugged and played. I mean, you used him at guard, used him at center last year, wherever he has to fill in. And he has been a solid cog as well. And it's good to get the insight and the skinny from Hondo Carpenter. Going to take our final break of the evening. Come back with Hondo. Keep him about five, six minutes. I want to get his take on a couple quarterbacks that I know uh, Aiden O'Connell is going to be one of the guys that's coming back in the stable of quarterbacks. We don't know who the other guys will be, but there's a couple names circulating around there, and I just want to get Hondo's take on those guys when we come back to wrap things up. It is a final from Lincoln in overtime, Nebraska 80. Wisconsin 72, the number six Badgers go down. Freddie Hoiberg continues the magic in Lincoln. Pretty amazing story. SportsX Radio will wrap things up live from Vegas, 101.5 FM K Don. We stream live on that worldwide Odyssey app. We'll be right back live from Vegas. Stuff. Mark Hoke spinning the hits on a throwback Thursday, a fifth of Beethoven, a little Walter Murphy coming back. And, of course, my wife, Christina, music teacher for all those years, and uh, she loves all genres, man. She loves that classical, but that's a nice little upbeat right there. And Walter Murphy does a real nice job updating that uh, Beethoven classic. Hondo Carpenter, our guest here on a throwback Thursday. And, again, Wisconsin blows a big lead and loses in Nebraska. Freddie Hoiberg and the Huskers get it done 80-72 to in overtime. Bunch of games cruising on down. Then you got West Coast basketball all evening long on the Thursday nights, which is always a lot of fun. Always enjoy that. Arizona State and Stanford in a good one, 5-15 to go. 60-57 Devils in Tempe. They are up in Grand Canyon, clinging to just a three-point lead over Seattle U. 739 to go, 66-63. Uh, Sam Houston State led for a long time, but now Western Kentucky with 330 to go. Up by four. Andy Isco already gave you one winner. Could be 2-0 and as he gave you Monmouth last night as well. And Youngstown State trying to go at the sweep against Scott Nagy and Wright State lead the Red Raiders 79-73. 3.28 to go in that one. So we'll keep an eye on those games as they wind on down. Uh, Arizona did win handily 91-65 to at home in Tucson over Cal. Lay the 19 got that covered easily. And the Lakers, they get it done. No AD, no LeBron, no problem. 114-105. How about plus 803 on the money line if you took the Lakers in Beantown to beat the Celtics in Boston? Knicks win their ninth in a row. Cavaliers as well. Cavs beat the Grizz 108-101. And the Knicks beat the Pacers 109-105. Trailed that game much throughout. Only game going right now, 930 to go in the half. Sixers lead the Jazz in Utah 44-40. No Joel Embiid as, of course, he will be out through the weekend as they evaluate that meniscus on the left knee. Ken Thompson, Hondo Carpenter. Hondo, when we went to break, I said there were a couple quarterbacks I wanted to pick your brain on uh, just to see if they are even in the uh, the Raiders, uh, you know, 
eyesight, so to speak, if uh, Chicago were to uh, grab somebody like Caleb Williams and make that mistake like you talked about and give up on Justin Fields? Would Fields be one of those guys? And then the other guy I wanted to throw at you is a veteran also from that NFC North, and that would be, of course, Kirk Cousins, because I've heard his name uh, being thrown around as well. So I just figured I'd get your, uh, your take in the next couple minutes on those two guys. Yeah, there's two others we can talk about quick, so I'll go through all four quick because I know we're up against the break. By the way, you got the best bumper music on all of radio. Um, so first of all, let's start with Justin Fields. Now, I know Justin personally, terrific kid, lots of great talent who's been on a very bad team. Bad coaching, bad leadership, not a lot of talent. If the Raiders were to make a trade for him, you have two years left on his rookie deal before you have to make a decision about um, extending him long-term. There's a lot of talent there. He's a guy that could come in, compete with Aiden O'Connell right away. A lot of people would think that he would get the job right away from Aiden. I'm not so sure. But this is a guy that would have a chance to come in. I am a believer that there's a place in this league for him, and I'm a believer that he can be a winner in this league. High integrity, high character. He's a very good kid like C.J. Stroud, very talented. I don't think he's he's as developed as CJ. I don't think he, but I think this kid's the real deal. Kirk Cousins is a guy I not only know personally, but a friend close to him. I know his family very well, his mother and father, his brother, all of them. Tremendous man, tremendous football player. I believe if you put Kirk Cousins on this football team this year, this season that, that the Raiders just had, I think this is a guy that got this team into the playoffs. There was the, because they wouldn't have asked him not to cost them. They would have been more aggressive with him. Whereas with Aiden, they weren't because he was a rookie. He's a viable option. I can tell you, I think he's going to end up staying in Minnesota. That's kind of what I'm hearing, but I think he would be great in the desert. He's a guy that you could bring in. He's a lot like um, Aiden O'Connell, he would take that mentoring role extremely serious for Aiden. I think he'd be great for Aiden. He'd be great for the organization. Another name you got to talk about is a guy that's made tens of millions of dollars, but you could get him now for a, a veteran minimum who was playing at a very high level is Russell Wilson. That's a possibility. Not calling it a probability, but it's a possibility. And then one other name is a guy that when he came into the league, there was not a lot about him to be excited about. He was very egotistical. He was an egomaniac, but he's been humbled. This is what I love about the game of football. It humbles everyone. The game always wins, and that's Baker Mayfield. He's turned his life around. You know, He's made a decision that he's going to do some things in his life different spiritually. He's going to do some things in his life differently as a person, and all of a sudden this year, you saw Tampa Bay, with who lives in salary cap hell. They basically went and got him, expecting not to get to the playoffs, just to get through a year and dump him. The guy comes in different, changed, becomes a franchise leader, leads them to the playoffs. And many people think that they want to keep him in Tampa Bay now, but this guy has demonstrated not only the talent, but now the character to be worthy of where he was picked. That's a potential guy. I love Baker. If I'm the Raiders, I could make a case for all four of those and Aiden O'Connell. Great options there.
That is great stuff. Great, great insight. So four quarterbacks we're going to keep an eye on. And the great thing is we're going to have Hondo Carpenter with us throughout the uh, upcoming weeks, through the draft, all that good stuff. Whenever we can get them, we will get them. And uh, my audience just loves them. Uh, SportsX Radio, I mean, I get so much feedback. Hondo, thank you so much for taking time out of your nights. And, and uh, thank your wife and your son for giving you the time uh, to take away from family a little bit. But join us here at SportsX Radio and just keep our audience enlightened. Really appreciate you, my man. You are outstanding. Have an outstanding weekend, and uh, hope to talk to you next week, bud. I look forward to it, Ken. Thank you to you and all your listeners. God bless you, buddy. There you go. Great stuff. Hondo Carpenter, what a class act. And I uh, just love it. And a lot of really solid sports people that work with KT, I mean, right away, getting texts, Jose Volante, several others like, hey, that guy, Hondo Carpenter, he is second to none as far as information and the way that he tells stories and the delivery and uh, really good stuff. So great to have him. Uh, got a couple minutes left here. Now, tomorrow, Thomas Viola, Jason Halpern, they'll take over. KT is going to uh, be working all day on college basketball because I'm actually going to be part of that VEASAN challenge as far as college basketball handicapping. So uh, getting in there. And I'm on it, uh, not like years past, uh, where I know every guy on every team and, and that stuff, but, uh, you know, following every score every night and the, and the ebbs and flows and whatnot, and then keeping an eye on the injuries and take hours doing that and this and that. So it'll be fun. And, uh, five plays each week during the regular season. And then, uh, first round of the tournament, I think is eight and then six for the sweet 16 or the, uh, the round of 32, whatever. And then you get to four and two and it rounds out to 40 selections. And there's some really top of the line guys, uh, handicapping wise, uh, Greg Peterson, that guy knows every guy on every team, 340 teams. A guy knows everybody. Hoops Peterson over there at VSIN and Wes Reynolds. So much respect for him and Matt humans. And those guys, they're not going to be part of the actual, uh, the money and the challenge and the cabana and the trophy and all that stuff, but they'll be uh, putting their selections in as well. So there'll be a total of 12 of us, but 10 will be competing for that prize. So looking forward to that. My good buddy, Dave Deneen, who, uh, I mean, talk about, Knowing the game inside out, college hoops, Dave not only played it at a high level, he coached it, and he's uh, the best pure shooter that I've ever seen, that I've ever known. Not that I've seen, you know, NBA-wise like a Larry Bird, but somebody that I've actually played with, uh, Deneen, second to none as far as fundamentals and the way he uh, can shoot that three-pointer from deep, no question. All right, real quick before we uh, get out of here, tomorrow there are a bunch of good games. Uh, so for a Friday schedule, keep an eye on Nevada and San Jose State. That game at Lawler, that's the late game. And as bad as Nevada looked at New Mexico, trust me, they'll take it out on San Jose State tomorrow. But they're laying 12, so we'll keep an eye on that one. Now, I do like Fran McCaffrey and the guys in Iowa City to beat Ohio State and cover the five tomorrow. And then Dayton to take care of business at home against St. Bonaventure, lay the seven in there. Those are games that I'm looking at right now. Those are plays that I'm going to be making. Uh, games going right now. You're winding down on some of the good ones, but UC Davis is coming up against Santa Barbara, and I think the Gauchos are going to win that game, but UC Davis, the Aggies, getting some money, but I laid four with Santa Barbara, so we'll keep an eye on that one, and uh, there's some good games winding down, but some great games already in the books, and uh, lots to talk about next Monday. I do know Van McElroy from the Raiders will be joining me on the PSR hotline, and uh, there'll be plenty of other things from from Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Till tomorrow, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you live from Vegas. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM K-Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app. Thanks to Mark Hoke. Thanks to Dwight Hicks. Thanks to Hondo Carpenter. And thanks to you, the listeners. Have a great evening. God bless, folks. Talk to you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody.